Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into another edition of Respect My Decision. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Before I introduce our guest, I'm going to go ahead and remind you that this podcast is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the country. We at Landry Football have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all of you who follow and listen to this year's show and the other show as part of the Landry Football Network. So here's all you got to do. You go to the website, LandryFootball.com. You click on the ad in the upper right side of the page. You pick among any of the gaming sites that uh, tickle your fancy. So BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, um, PointsBet. You could just be like me and just be a degenerate and have all three of those on your phone. Um, You sign up and you'll instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 up to $1,000. All you got to do that simple so go to landryfootball.com click on the ad in the upper right side of the page and get in on the action with a special offer from american betting experts all right so without further ado we'll welcome in our guest uh, we had a return guest last week mr kevin noon of rivals and yahoo sports as we previewed the college football title game and we have another return guest we have ryan nanny of banner society ryan before you do your introduction here I will tell you that I could not have been more wrong about that game on Monday night. How wrong were you? So I took the under and had Ohio State covering. Um, well, yeah, you were pretty wrong. Yeah. Um, I uh, did not think that uh, Ohio State would be stubborn and play man coverage pretty much the entire game and try to cover Devontae Smith with a linebacker. And I also didn't plan on Trey Sermon getting hurt on the first play. So yeah, it yeah. those are those are reasonable things to not expect to happen. Um, that said, I think there is probably a case to be made that Ohio State would not have like maybe your under would have worked, but I, I don't know if Ohio State was going to cover even if. Sermon had been healthy and they had shown a little more, um, let's say, flexibility on the defensive side. Sure. Yeah. I, I guess my thought process going in was Ohio State would be smart and would just basically drop seven or eight and make Mac Jones and Alabama earn it and work it down the field. Right. Time, limiting possessions, shortening the game, yada, yada. Um, didn't do it. Uh, Devontae Smith had over 200 yards and I think three touchdowns in one half. And um, when he wasn't doing that, Najee Harris was doing his thing. And uh, Mac Jones was throwing it to everybody else. And uh, it was a absolute just demolishing of the Buckeyes. But we're here. We're going to talk recruiting. Um, 
a lot has been said about the 2017 class that Alabama signed that is essentially on their way out now after winning the national title. I want to throw out some other basically historic signing classes to you, and uh, then we'll jump in to uh, talk about this 2017 class that Alabama is uh, bidding adieu to. So first off, I think most people at least have them in their top five somewhere. Probably one of the most historic signing classes is 2003 USC. Mm -hmm. Um, They had five All-Americans. Reggie Bush was their Heisman winner, and they won 48 games in four years. All right, pretty good. Pretty solid, yeah. And you've got 2008 Alabama, six All-Americans, Heisman winner Mark Ingram, and they won 48 games as well. After that, you've got 2013 Ohio State. Um, didn't have a Heisman winner, but JT Barrett was in the top five. They had five All-Americans, and they won 49 games in four years. Um, after that, you've got 2013 Alabama. Derrick Henry won the Heisman. They won 51 games in four years, and they had five All-Americans. And then that brings us to 2017 Alabama, and this is where it just gets silly. Um, you've got nine All-Americans. Devontae Smith won the Heisman, 50-4 and four in four years. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so just kind of starting out. So nine members of that 29 man signing class were all Americans. As I said, um, that's more than one third of the class. Um, and it's by far the highest number of all Americans, uh, kind of in the history of recruiting. Right. Um, they had a quartet, a quartet of top five Heisman finishers. Devontae Smith won it Tua Tagovailoa, Mac Jones, Najee Harris. Now, those names might sound familiar because three of them were on, well, I guess all four of them were on the same team at one point, but three of them were on the team this year. Um, they played uh, in two national championships. They won one, well, actually uh, three, and then won two now that Monday is over. Um, I mean, NFL draft, uh, they had Tua Tagovailoa was drafted. Jerry Judy was drafted. Henry Ruggs was drafted. Jedrick Wills was drafted. Um I mean, it's just silly. I, they're going to have more drafted in 2021. I mean, is this the best signing class ever? It's really, it's really hard to make like a strong case that it isn't. Like, you know, all all things are. It's hard to look at a signing class just by itself because, you know, it depends on the class before it, the class after it, the circumstances into which they are, you know, thrust and all of that. And you can't control all of it. You can't control things like injuries. Like um, Dylan Moses is in this signing class. Dylan Moses is not like a major factor for Alabama this year, but that's not his fault. He was playing hurt most of the year. Um, but yeah, it's you look up and down and it's like, yeah, this is just a very – this is a terrifying – signing class pretty much top to bottom in ways that you're just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how you are supposed to look at this and say, yes, there's, I, I definitely have a better answer. There are like, you know, there are interesting counterpoints you can throw out, but this is, it it also kind of feels to me kind of like when we talk about the best team of all time, recruiting in 2017 is not quite the same thing as like recruiting in 2003 was if we're going back mm-hmm. that far. And so like sure. some of it is just the nature of college football and the recruiting side of it uh, in particular. 
have changed quite a bit because the team that we had, the team you didn't mention that I thought you might, even though it's kind of looking forward, um, is the 2018 Georgia signing class. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. one that I think, I mean, like they're going to have, I mean, Justin Fields is part of that class. And obviously <laughs> uh, that that's not really working in Georgia's favor. Cade Mays is part of that class, but like, this was one that at least on paper looked like it was going to be of the same sort of like level. But in terms of, if we're just talking about like what the production has been, not even close. So yeah, I think, I think the safe pick right now is just say, yeah, it's 2017 Bama. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great segue, Ryan, because I was going to move into talking about those Georgia Bulldogs because on paper, like you just mentioned, not in production on mm-hmm. paper, Georgia has the best recruiting year in, year out for, I guess, the past two or three years. Yeah. Um, that 2018 class, same amount of five stars and four stars of the 2021 Bama class. So Nick Saban not only just rounded out the careers of the best signing class ever in 2017, but looking at their class this year, it is just as historic as the Georgia class that you're referencing that was just so ridiculously loaded. Um, and, and, you know, talking about production, I mean, you, you mentioned Fields. He's gone. He obviously played for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He will be done going to the NFL after this season. Uh, Zamir White, who's still at Georgia. Uh, Jamari um, Salyer. Tommy Bush, Quay Walker, um, one of the names on here, Otis Reese, actually transferred. He plays at Ole Miss now. But, I mean, just an absolutely loaded class that – and this is kind of leading into the overarching theme of this podcast and how the head coach at Georgia is Kirby Smart, who coached for Nick Saban for a number of years and has essentially implemented that same system at Georgia. They just right. haven't won the amount of games. But with that said, I mean, you've got – you know, assistant coaches all over the place that have worked for Nick Saban. You've got Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee for how much longer? Who knows? Um, they recruited at an incredibly high level. You've got Mario Cristobal at Oregon. They're all of a sudden a juggernaut recruiting um, in the Pac-12. Uh, I mean, you can even point to, to Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, uh, a year removed from Matt Luke and that disaster, and they have a top 20 consensus class now after just a 5-5 five and five season. So it's all of these coaches that have learned under Nick Saban are implementing his kind of style of recruiting, how he goes about it. They're not recruiting at the same level per se, but that effect that Nick Saban is having not only on assistants and how they do things at their schools, but just what he's doing at Alabama. I'm kind of of the opinion. And, you know, I say this, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of serious. I think it's starting to really wear thin on college football fans. And I think the ratings reflected it after Monday's game. It was one of the worst national championship ratings that we've had in some time. Is is there a real sense of Nick Saban fatigue? Do you sense that among college football people? You know, I, I think there's a degree of that. I think there is a degree of like, well, we all enter the season – and whether we put them number one or not, because they, we don't always, you know, sometimes it's Clemson, mm-hmm. sometimes it's Ohio State. Um, it's really only those two most of the time. But there is this sense of like, 
it's Alabama's title to lose. And they don't they don't mm-hmm. win all of them. It's not like I was talking to somebody else about this yesterday. It's not the same thing as UConn women's basketball, where it's like they're going to win a hundred games in a row. You, I mean, shit, you know this. You're an Ole Miss fan. Like, they will drop a game. The problem mm-hmm. is dropping a game doesn't usually mean – doesn't consistently mean at least that they're not going to at least get in the playoffs. Yeah. Just a but, flesh wind. Sure. Like, and – but they don't win every title. They don't win every time they get in the playoff. They are – they're human. And I think – to me, the fatigue is really not – it gets labeled as Alabama, but I think it's more about sort of like the what they're surrounded by. Because like we're just not seeing new teams get in. And so what the Alabama problem, if you want to label it that way, kind of gets duplicated throughout the rest of college football. The Big 12 is Oklahoma's conference to lose year in, year out. Oklahoma yeah. didn't have a great year this year. Still won the Big 12. Ohio State owns the Big 10 until they don't. Clemson owns the ACC until they don't. The only conference that isn't like this, the Pac-12, kind of just eats itself in ways that don't really Mm -hmm. work. But, like, you're right about what Oregon's been doing on the recruiting trail. We could – that could be the future of the Pac-12. And I think that's what fans get tired of, this sense of, like, even when the SEC, like, had its – you know, two thousand early two early to mid two thousands sort of start of dominance. There's a lot of trading going on there. There's Florida winning some titles. There's Auburn winning. Like there's there's some sort of sense of like, okay, yes, this conference is sucking up all the oxygen, but who is at the top of that conference can change. The conferences right now have no lateral move have no vertical movement. It's all about like who's going to finish, who's going to like win the East and lose to Bama. And they don't like last year, I think was interesting because LSU was such an interesting breath of fresh air. Uh, real quick, I, I do want to do a quick little trivia session. Yeah. You mentioned the, you mentioned the Big 12 and how it's absolutely is Oklahoma's to lose year in, year out. So Oklahoma has the most. Big 12 titles. Do you know how many they have? Is this in, is this Big 12 championship games or just Big 12 titles? So just Big 12 championships. Okay. Um, because the game started in 96. Right, right. And then it went away for a little while. And that's how we get um, – that's how we get the Baylor-TCU uh, debacle yeah. down here. Uh, and yeah, then it so came it went, back, and Oklahoma just started winning it again. So, yeah, it went away in t- 2010 was the last year, and then they had, I guess, the game started right. in 2017. Right. Um, so do you know how many the Sooners have? Um, let's see. Big 12 started in, uh, what, the 94 season? So we're talking about, like, 26 years or so. I'll play it safe, and I'll say that they have – 16. Ooh, very close. They okay. have 14. 14. Okay. Okay. You know, so Texas, big bad Texas. <laughs> Texas has what, like um, five, six? That That's a great guess. Texas is second to Oklahoma. Yeah. They only have three. <laughs> 
Sure. And then and then part of this is that like there are teams that are not in the Big Twelve that claim like Nebraska has Big Twelve yeah. titles in they this range. Right. Texas so, AM at least has one, I think. They have one. Yeah. So basically it's Texas with three. Yeah. Which before I knew this stat, I would have never gotten that. Right. They have they have they have three. The last one was two thousand nine. Jeez. So other than that, it's Baylor, Kansas State, Nebraska, mm-hmm. all tied with two. Yep. And then you've got Colorado, Col- um, Colorado, Oklahoma State, TCU, and A&M all tied with one. Yeah. Iowa State, Kansas, Missouri, which is no longer there, Texas Tech, and West Virginia have never won it. Never got it. Yeah. Right. But I mean, that right there is just staggering. Just a quick sidebar, just because I, when I when I saw this, I was just dumbfounded because I've just always been told ryan that just texas is always back <laughs> the, you know they have a hundred acres over there it's got to be for all the trophies right no only three i mean first of all trophies deserve room just like everything else no reason yeah. you can't give trophies lots of space second of yeah. all uh the new guy sark better be that that's got to change if you're sark right like you can't well yeah. Well, the first step was bringing back the eyes of Texas, and yep. he has done that. So that yes. equals trophies. Yep. Um, so going back to Alabama, so looking at this year's class, 2021, which wraps up next month, um, they're already off to just uh, – we've used this word millions of times in 2020, but just an unprecedented start um, yet again. So right now Alabama has seven five-stars. Um, some are enrolled, one is committed. Um, one, uh, we were just talking about Oklahoma, Kamar Wheaton, who's from Texas. They beat out Oklahoma for him, a, uh, another five-star running back. So there are 34 five-stars in this 2021 class in the composite yeah. rankings and Alabama has seven. And I'm they looking have- Georgia, LSU and A&M have seven combined. I mean, come on! Like it just. This is where I I I kind of lean towards. You know what? He might be ruining college football because. So here's uh, here's my theory. The the reason, if if you want to make this argument, I can go with it, but it's in a very specific direction. The thing that Nick Saban has been able to do, whether he meant to or not, like if you want to say it was a plot, cool. If you don't, whatever. By putting by putting underlings, most of these programs have like been under his influence. LSU isn't in that isn't in that category, but like A and M, Georgia, Oregon, like the, the the teams that are hanging around the top ten, they're all just sort of like biting off of each other. Like mm-hmm. part of what I think had part of what really made Ohio State jump to the next level when they did with urban Meyer is that they were operating in a vacuum there. The big 10 was still locked into this very old mindset of recruiting and Ohio state stopped playing by those rules. But now you have basically right. Exactly. Not the, the dishonorable way. We all know that, but you look at like the, let's call it the upper middle class of college football and they're all just sort of like fighting with each other. And, and I think that effectively 
is what's kneecapping them. Like Clemson was able to get away with this. Clemson was able to rise above it for a bit there as well, but that's because Georgia wasn't taking care of business. Georgia, and this is a zero sum game. So the better Georgia gets at recruiting, the worse Clemson gets at recruiting. And somehow the zero sum of it never actually bites Alabama. So Alabama's still up here, basically able to take more or less the class that they want. And all of their competitors are fighting to be the team that's not good enough to beat Alabama consistently. Georgia is the most glaring example of this because, like you said, they have they have their recruiting track record. They just cannot make it work on the field. So that's that's the counterpoint, I guess, is that if the argument is Alabama's so dominant in this part of the sport that it's sort of sucking all the energy out of it. What do you do about Georgia? Georgia is not a team that people are sick of winning championships. I looked this up the other day. Georgia's last title is older than Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, man. So, like, I, I think they are. If if they can't get it together, I have a hard time saying. Well, the problem is recruiting. I think the problem then becomes. Nick Saban is probably has the best organization top to bottom. Recruiting's part of it, but development and deciding like how to run things that probably matters just as much, maybe more. So here here I guess is my question. If Nick Saban is the problem with college football. I don't necessarily agree that that's true, but let's say it is. What do you do about it? Like what is the solve? for that because it's a pop you're right that like people want to point to it and say this is bad for the sport this makes it less interesting this makes it less entertaining but like short of kidnapping him and you know hiding him offshore what is the solution to this what appears that the fountain of youth is not a fountain at all it's just hair dye (laughs) He just looks younger every year. Um, I, I believe he is 69 years old. I think he turns 70 on Halloween, which is it's just absolutely perfect that his birthday is on Halloween. 100%. Um, I mean, it's you see it around the country. We were talking about it earlier with assistants that are now head coaches. I mean, that's, I guess, what people are trying to do. It's like, well, if we can't slay the monster, we're going to hire the smaller monsters that were with him at one time. Um which has not been you haven't solved it with that yet because no assistant has defeated him yet um so i really don't know what you do like i don't really know if there's an answer um and now with the evolution of college football and just how it's a super offensive game now i believe i can't remember the stat specifically so don't hold me to it but i think the last five or six years the leader in passer rating every single year has has surpassed the previous record every year. Right. So quarterback play is getting better. Offenses are more explosive. Um, and that was always kind of the knock on the Alabama teams pretty much up until Lane Kiffin got there. And he was like, no, 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 no. We're not running the I formation, two tight ends and a fullback. We're going to spread people out and beat them how they've beaten us. Um, so now Nick Saban has figured it out to where, oh, you just got to recruit really fast receivers and really good offensive linemen. 
and have an offensive coordinator that can develop a quarterback into throwing it 35 to 45 times a game. And we're just going to start outscoring people. Um, Cause that was kind of the, the joke early in the year when Ole Miss went score for score with them in the fourth quarter. And pretty much in that game, Ole Miss only stopped. Uh, they were only stopped twice. And one was a self-inflicted wound on a bad snap. And then the other was um, a sack on third down. They kick, they kick a field goal in both of those possessions. Alabama keeps scoring. They never got stopped. Um, and, you know, just talking with other college football people, it was like, man, that defense at Alabama is not what it normally is. And I kind of said it as a joke, but it came to fruition on Monday night where I was like, you know what? That defense, they're just going to figure it out. They got enough good players. They'll find a way to make it work. And uh, they did. Um, they shut down a really potent Ohio State offense, now, albeit without Trey Sermon. But I don't really know how you solve this problem outside of just waiting for him to retire. Yeah, it, it might be that. And it might like... I, I, I think the thing that is missing is the thing that Ole Miss did and is the thing that Notre Dame did not do. And the thing that Ohio State did not do. And it's a mistake to say that this would be like the, the difference between winning and losing. But I think it is the difference between giving yourself a chance to win and just losing in a different way. And that's like borderline insane aggressiveness. Ole Miss what? Went four for four on fourth down against Bama? That is right. Um. Florida like has a different had a different form of aggressiveness and trying to keep pace with um, with Bama, but their form is basically like the run doesn't matter. Like the, we're not really gonna like we're gonna do a little bit of running game, but like we're gonna throw the ball a million times and we're gonna push the ball deep. And in their case, it's like we have a, a couple of key contributors who we just want to get the ball to and that's why they you know they throw they ended up in that game 40 passes to 26 runs which probably frankly wasn't even aggressive enough considering you know you're talking 54 yards on the 26 runs and 408 yards on the 40 passes so like i I think that was the thing that was surprising to me about ohio state was that there was not a, I did not get the sense that they were like, okay, we have to empty the playbook. We have to go for big shots. Mm-hmm. Like Notre Dame at least was trying to do a thing, which is kind of the opposite of the old Miss approach where they're like, chew clock, keep the, try to keep Alabama's off the offense off the field just by virtue of occupying that space instead but that's a very hard way to, to live. And, you know, if it, if once it stops working, it's very hard to sort of get going the other way. I think going forward, the approach to this team, it's going to have to follow something like the old miss and to some extent, the Florida model of just like damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. I don't I don't see a good answer contrary to that. That's kind of what LSU did last year when they mm-hmm. beat Tua was like they, they, their defense didn't play great in that game either. And no, and yeah. I think they just realized like yes, we are going to show up and understand that we need to put as 
everything we do on offense has to be focused on putting as many points on the board as possible. Time of possession, field pos- field position, um, the like mini strategy game that most football games turn into. Alabama is too talented to do that. It doesn't matter if you pin them at the 10. It just means it'll take them two plays longer to score on you. Looking at the box score for both of those games in this season, um, it's a stark contrast. So Ole Miss, 9 of 17 on third down. Um, It's long been thought that that's one of the key metrics to measure when defeating Nick Saban. You got to convert on third down. You got to extend drives. You got to stay out there. Um, And then you mentioned it, four for four on fourth. So when they didn't get it on third... They got it on fourth. Um, But if you look, I mean, Matt Corral only threw the ball 28 times. They ran the ball a good bit. Um, I think uh, 57 rushing attempts in that game. So it was a weird, it wasn't even balanced. I mean, they ran the ball more. But in that game, it was more of the tempo that gave Alabama problems. Yep. And and also like the quarterback is the one running like I know I know he's mm-hmm. not the leading rusher in that game, but it's a lot of quarterback running. And then if you look at Florida, eight of eleven on third down, no fourth down. Um, they didn't even have any fourth downs right. to try to get. Um, but if you look at this, is where it gets weird. So in the earlier in the year, Ole Miss won the turnover battle. They had one fumble that they forced. Um, but then you look at the Florida game and the SEC title and Florida lost the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. So that's ultimately where the game shifted. So in the, in one game, it's just basically almost didn't have a defense to stop Alabama. And that's what happened. And then in the Florida game, turnovers got them because both opponents were really good on third down and were able to stretch the field use their speed to give Alabama issues. So it feels like, you know, we can kind of scratch recruiting. There's no way to solve Alabama's recruiting dominance. They're just going to keep doing it on the field though. It seems that it's just a, a diabolical combination of up-tempo and being very efficient. And that's essentially the only way that you can knock off this Alabama team. Yeah, because, I, think, I think that's right. Because the other, the one part of the box score that's pretty similar against Florida, Bama punted twice and kicked one field goal. Against Ole Miss, they punted once and kicked no field goals. And that I think is where, like, ultimately, whatever you're going to do, whatever approach you're going to do, if you're going to, if you're going to go tempo, if you're going to go heavy run, heavy pass if you're going to try to stretch the field, if you're going to try to like spread the field instead, like there are a bunch of different approaches to it, but I think they all have to start from the place of we're not going to stop their offense that much. We probably will like, you know, Ohio state got a turnover. You know, you Mm -hmm. will, there, there will be times where just by virtue of like, even this Alabama team is not perfect, but you like, I think unless you have a super, super, super talented, specifically, I would say, front four, you really should not go into a game with Alabama at this point and assume like, 
okay, well, we just got to get four stops. You're probably not going to get four stops. Don't play that way. Don't aim to like win the field position battle. Anybody who's playing Alabama now and has like, I don't know, I'd say fourth and six or shorter from their own 40 and beyond. If you're punting, you are waving the white flag. You're absolutely Mm -hmm. waving the white flag. Yeah. Well, I think I found the stat that's what's just breaking the breaking the back here, because another stat that I was going to point to that doesn't give any indication here. Time of possession. Ole Miss had it 31 minutes, 15 seconds in that game. Alabama only had it 28 minutes, 45 seconds. But then in the SEC championship, Alabama had it 34 minutes, 21 seconds. Florida had it 25 minutes, 39 seconds. So that doesn't tell the story. The story that I think here is what you focus on. It just comes back to defense, which is kind of funny in the most, you know, full circle, but also like complete opposite talking point here because college football is all offense now, but it just comes down to getting stops. Alabama had 37 first downs in that Ole Miss game. Ole Miss only had 31. Alabama had 33 against Florida to their 26. So that's where it is. And like you mentioned, you got to get stops and you can't stop yourself. You can't punt, you know, like you said, fourth and medium to manageable. You got to go because they're showing zero signs of slowing down. So that's, you know, you have to get yours when you can, but then you also, you have to get a stop here and there to get Alabama off the field because that's, you know, it's no longer, oh, well, we get a negative play on first down. Now we got them right where we want them. Right. Because Mark Ingram is not going to run a, you know, an ISO ISO play for 12 yards. No, like this is 2021 Alabama where they're like, oh, second and 14, no big deal. We're going to throw a slant to Devontae Smith and we'll get 10 back. Yep. So. And you missed a tackle and whoops, we got 20 back. Yeah, like yeah. the other part of this, I think the the big the trendiest thing to talk about in college football this year, um, scheme or strategy wise, I should say, is the middle eight, the last four minutes of the first half, the four the oh. first quarter of the second half. Like everybody talked about it, and and for good the reason. dreaded sandwich. Yeah, but like that is in the floor in, in the SEC championship game. That's a thing that Florida failed to execute correctly. They score. With a minute line, a minute nine left in the second quarter, had the opportunity to burn more clock than they did, but because they didn't do that, they gave Alabama one more touchdown. Florida came back; they got the ball to start the second half. They scored a touchdown on their first possession, but like that was a misplay. There, you know the 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 middle eight is it went the other way in the old Miss game where Alabama scored with a minute left in the second quarter and Ole Miss basically said, well, we're not going to do anything with that. And then Alabama got the ball to start the third and there you go. Four plays, 85 yards, minute 15 touchdown. So like to the extent you want to care about the clock and using it, that is the time when you have to, because that is your opportunity to, depending on if you're getting the ball or kicking to either steal a possession or prevent Alabama from snowballing from from turning the game to an avalanche more mm-hmm. or less yeah that's that's it's kind of like the that was kind of how i operated when playing ncaa football yeah where i would most of the time always defer 
just the off chance that the person that I'm playing, whether it's someone else or the computer, scoring right before the half, it is absolutely devastating and demoralizing, whether it's on a video game or if it's in real life, to have that 14-point swing after halftime because that's just an offense as good as Alabama's. It's just almost impossible to overcome. Yeah. So I don't think we came to an actual conclusion on how to solve this. Um, no, but neither, I, is, neither is Georgia and they make a lot more money than we do. That's right. Shit. Um, yeah. I, I don't think anyone can solve it, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those where, I mean, after last season, Ole Miss played Alabama better than anyone. I think at this point, people might want to start griping with the SEC office and have them play that game later in the year because it's over time Alabama would lose to an Ole Miss team, whether that was 14 or 15, but then they just have the one loss and they figure it out by November and December and then they're good and they're in the playoffs. So, you know, you know who I blame? Auburn. It's Auburn. Yeah, you could, yeah, you can blame them. Um, yeah, good luck to Brian Harson on figuring this out. Uh, and not that he's a bad coach. I just, you're in that same state with that, uh, with that monster. So, um, yeah, uh, as I said last night on a show, uh, Nick Saban is the final boss that you just cannot defeat. The game is rigged. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, you know, that we'll stop it there. I, I don't think we can, uh, really, talk any further about this because it's just this is just how it's going to be until he uh decides to hang it up um but that's going to do it for respect my decision uh thank you to ryan for joining us um i will say there was a little bit of uh, some technical difficulties right there in the middle Uh, i'm going to do my best to edit that in post um so much like trying to solve the nick saban issue um we uh, ran into some issues of our own, but uh, thanks to Ryan for joining. Thanks to American betting experts for sponsoring this year's show. Be sure to check out the rest of the podcast on the Landry football network, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, check out LandryFootball.com, and uh, be sure to stay in the loop with everything going on this off season until 2021 kicks off. So with that, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.